Blog Talk Radio. Place of security 
for survival. That's what it is. Um, it's a place dominated by a particular group or marked by a particular characteristic. Now, that's Merriam-Webster's definition. Can't even speak today. Now, in Greek, the word furio, F-R-O-U-R-I-O, simply means militant stronghold. Also, another Greek word for stronghold is ochiro, O-C-H-I-R-O, O-C-H-I-R-O, which means to capture a stronghold or a fortress. Now, in Hebrew, the word misgav, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, M-I-S-G-A-V, means to be too strong for, to be lofty, be exalted, to be lifted high, to protect, and to keep safe. Stronghold. Now, spiritual strongholds they usually start somewhere in the mind. These are deceitful lies. They're attacks that come against you to make you feel as if you can't accomplish a thing or as if you're so overwhelmed that you just pretty much can't function in the way in which the Lord wants you to function. So we're going to get into that. But let me first tell you how I got on this subject of spiritual strongholds to begin with. Earlier this year, 2015, I was having this this terrible nightmare. And this is honest, honest truth. I was having this terrible nightmare, and all of a sudden, I was taken out of that nightmare, and I, I literally heard these words. I heard these words, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I heard that. And so I got up, I sat up in bed, I, I was kind of freaked out a little bit. I knew I'd heard that before. And I said, man, goodness, that's a scripture somewhere. I, I couldn't quite remember where I, where I had read that scripture. So I grabbed my Bible, and I began to search for that scripture. And I found it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Verbatim actually says that. And let me read again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so I began to pray and ask God, well, what does this mean for me? Is it because of something that I'm presently going through? So I began to pray and read my Bible and seek God and ask God, well, what do you want me to do with the Scripture? What's the deal? So it became clear to me, hey, guess what? Those, that thing that's coming against you, that has become a stronghold for you. And not only that, but there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who are dealing with strongholds. And so I just began to pray and ask God, well, how can I help them and how can I help myself? And so there are so many strongholds. I mean, just for an example, you know, some of these strongholds are are just like anger, hurts from the past, bitterness, feelings of rejection, loneliness, feeling inferior, feeling superior, depression and oppression, mental anguish, illness. And I mean, even perhaps practices that hurt the physical body, such as drinking and smoking. I mean, you guys know what struggles you're going through with strongholds, and you know what you have to face on a daily basis. And unfortunately, sometimes those strongholds or those those attacks, because that's kind of what they are, they kind of get the best of us because sometimes we're not walking in the full power that God wants us to walk in and that full confidence too, knowing who we are and whose we are, who we belong to. So we're going to talk about a little bit of that today. Um, so, I mean, you know what you're dealing with. And, of course, the deceiver wants to make you think he has more power over you than what he actually does have because, after all, he is a deceiver and the father of lies. I mean, if you read St. John 8, verse 44, and Revelation 12, 9, 
It describes him and what he does. But the truth is, friends, he has absolutely no power to control you. He makes you believe he can through those lies and the fear that comes upon you. And also your flesh can mislead you too. That's why we need to walk in the spirit. Like Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 says, you walk in the spirit. Now let me just give you this. Now I gave you some definitions of strongholds or the definition of stronghold. Let me give you my definition of stronghold that I wrote out. And it's simple. Simply put, it's a stronghold or a spiritual stronghold is anything that controls you or anything that seeks to deceive you into believing falsehood, thereby causing you to behave in a manner that is against the knowledge of God. Now, that coincides with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. I started 4, but verses 3 through 6. Okay, so what you, what you need to know is those mental attacks, those things that come against you to make you think you're less than or that fear that comes upon you, we can pull those things down by the power of God, by the power of Jesus Christ. So to you guys today about strongholds, and you know what you're facing, you know what comes against you and what you're dealing with, here's what I want you to know. There is no obstacle, no fortress, no stronghold, no impenetrable place, no problem or concern, God's power cannot overwhelm and demolish, thus pull down the stronghold. Because God is all-powerful and nothing can or ever will defeat him. Jesus' resurrection from the grave defeated Satan for you. He is defeated. Let me say that again. Satan is defeated. If, indeed, you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are more than a conqueror, according to Romans 8.37. Because Satan is defeated. He was defeated at the cross. Thank God for Jesus becoming the, the propitiation for our sin. So listen, before we get deeper into strongholds, friends, there are certain things we need to understand. You need to know who you are. And so there are some historical truths that we need to discuss because you need to know who you are and why you are who you are. Historical truth. There's like two or three things I want to point out to you. First, the word was made flesh and blood among man, in the person of Jesus Christ, who was both 100% man and 100% God. He dwelt among man, being tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. That's Hebrews 4.15. The scripture says Jesus is our high priest. Old Testament high priests were the ultimate religious leaders of the children of Israel. There was no religious leader higher in position than a high priest. High priests wore the stones of Urim and Thummim, those stones, which allowed them to judge the truth from a lie. The people would go to the presiding high priest to know what God would have them do. If you read Numbers 27, verse 21, it tells you that. Now, here's what's interesting. On the Day of Atonement, which took place every tenth day of the seventh month of every year, only the high priest could enter the most holy place behind the veil to stand before God. He would bring the blood of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle on the mercy seat, which was God's throne. You read that in Leviticus 16, verse 14 through 15. This is how atonement for sin was made for the people and also for the priest himself. Now, what's the similarity here? This is compared to the sacrifice of Jesus himself. How he who knew no sin yet became sin for us died on the cross at this sacrifice, having his blood shed for the redemption of sin. 
according to the importance of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, is of the utmost importance when dealing with strongholds of spiritual warfare in general. You have to understand what the blood means for you when you're talking about pulling down strongholds. You have the power within you to do that. That's number one. You have to know that you have the power to do it, and you have the power to do it because of Jesus Christ's atonement. He became the propitiation of our sin, so we have that power. So you need to know you are covered. So since you're covered, guess what? You already have the victory. That's number one. You have the victory, but you have to realize that victory. Now, that was the first principle. Number two, second, because of Jesus' cleansing blood that was shed for the redemption of sin, you and I have the opportunity to be adopted into the body of Christ. Apostle Paul informed us in the book of Romans chapter 10 that the word is near you, even in your mouth, for salvation in verses 8 through 13. And I'm just going to read verses 8 through 13, friends. I like to read the word of God. I mean, there's nothing wrong with talking about the word of God. That's great. But I like to word, uh, read it because it's, it's living and it's powerful. So I'm going to read it in verse 8, if you don't mind. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, whosoever, I love that word, that means everybody, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Now here's that word again that I like. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ are his alone, and no one can pluck them out of his and he and his father's hand. So, can't be plucked out of Jesus in the Father's hand. My Father, that is Jesus talking, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. That means that comes against you, those strongholds that come against you. My Father gave them to me, it's greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now that's John chapter 10, verse 29. What am I saying here? I'm saying here, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, if you have put on the Lord Jesus, like Romans 13, 14 says, you belong to God. So first we got the blood. Two, I'm telling you and I'm proving to you by the word of God that you belong to God. And let me explain even better how much you belong to God or how you belong to God with an analogy. I love electronics, and everyone who knows me, they know that Jonathan loves electronics. My favorite store is Best Buy. It's my favorite store. So if I go into Best Buy, and let's say I pick up a computer, camera, whatever, and I pay for that camera with my hard-earned money, are you going to come and say, Jonathan, that's not yours? What are you talking about? I bought it. Likewise, friends, you belong to God because you were bought at a price. You were bought with the precious, precious blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to somebody. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay, now that's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. Furthermore, consider Isaiah 53, verse 3 and 5, and I'm going to read it because that's my style. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, praise God. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm convinced the Lord's atonement for our sins also includes the healing of our bodies and minds. Okay? You got the blood, and you belong to God. Now, here's number three. Third, divine election is in your favor. Ephesians 1, verse 4, it specifically states, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the blood, I'm sorry, according to the good pleasure of his will, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The word predestined here is not choice fate, but it just means you were chosen by God. So we got the blood. You've accepted Jesus Christ, you're covered in the blood. Number two, you belong to God. Number three, he knew you before the foundation of the world. So since he knew you before the foundation of the world and you were called before the foundation of the world, guess what? You got the victory. Now, let me get into this. Let me get into this because, you know, I'm really enjoying this. But they're telling me I don't have much time left at all. I mean, this is a 30-minute show, friends, 30-minute show. So hopefully in the future we'll be able to extend that. But for right now, it's a 30-minute show. But listen, let me get into this real quick, give you my personal struggle. Not too long ago, I began to experience the most horrible headaches. After seeing my primary doctor, there was no conclusive diagnosis that could be determined. One night, I was in so much pain, I had to go to the emergency room. When I got to the emergency room, they ran tests on me. They gave me MRI. They gave me blood tests, all this stuff. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. But I had this terrible, terrible headache. So they gave me some prescription medications, and I was asked to follow with my primary doctor, which, of course, I did. And so during that time, not knowing what was going on with me. I had gone through all these tests. I mean, they gave me an MRI. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going to happen to me? So at that point in time, friends, fear began to creep upon me. Fear became a stronghold for me. I mean, seriously. It was horrible. And... um this is before I had that dream I told you about where those words, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mine and God. And, and so I realized I had to do something about this fear. And I realized fear became a stronghold. I need to pull this thing down. I mean, my members of my family, they began to pray for me and minister to me. I have a couple of uh, ministers in my family, uh, women of God, who just would pray for me and, and, and uh, all of that. And I'm trying to tell you, I'm like, wow, how can I defeat this thing? So one night I was watching YouTube, believe it or not. I was watching a minister on YouTube, and they began to talk about these, these, these strongholds. And um, I was drawn to Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, For God has not given us spirit of fear, but of power, but of love, and of a sound mind. And also Isaiah 54, verse 17, where it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is... Of me, saith the Lord. So at this point, after having seen my doctor on more than one occasion, I was convinced the word of God must be utilized to overcome this issue in my life. Therefore, 
When I would wake up in the morning, I would quote scriptures. When I go in the shower, I quote scriptures. When I was in the car, I would quote scriptures. Everywhere and anywhere I would go, I would quote scriptures. And so what happened was I began to believe not the fear. See, because when you believe the fear, when you believe the stronghold, it has a deep-rooted grip on you. You have to know who you are. That's why I went over those historical truths with you guys, friends, because you have to know who you belong to. And so as I began to get the word deeper in my spirit, now listen, I've known the Lord for a long time. It's not like I didn't know scripture. It's not like I wasn't that that I didn't grow up in church, like I wasn't already baptized, that I wasn't already filled with the Spirit of God and all all of that, okay? But sometimes, and I'm gonna be honest, we we don't we let certain things creep in the camp that shouldn't be in the camp. I'm just being real. And so once that fear came on me, I had to get it off. And I tell you what, I had to live Psalm twenty seven verse one where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is strength in my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then I began to study Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 19, with new vigor and eagerness to understand spiritual warfare, because that's what it was. We're talking about spiritual warfare here. Don't be deceived. Don't, be, don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about strongholds. When you talk about strongholds, you are engaged in spiritual warfare. That's what I'm talking about here. And I'll tell you what, when I began to get deeper into Ephesians 6 and to research and cross-reference scriptures and I mean, in a deep way, I begin to understand, oh, guess what? I got this. See, because when you don't know what the enemy is doing to you, you might be a little more puzzled. But when you can see what's coming at you, now guess what? You have, you know how to fight it. You know how to fight it. It's just like when I was a kid, I used to watch G.I. Joe, and their motto was, knowing is half the battle. I mean, I don't mean to get corny on you guys, but it's true. But when you know that's half the battle. Praise God. So, anyway, I began to get more into Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 19. And matter of fact, what I'm going to do, because it's my style once again, I'm going to read that to you, okay? I have about six minutes left. I'm going to read that to you. It says, finally, my, my brother, this verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation. See, the helmet of salvation right there. That helps protect your mind. helps protect what you think. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. We can do nothing of ourselves. We must rely on Jesus Christ, friends, the true and only high priest, as mentioned before. He is the mediator between God and man. Praise God. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. He is there for us always. We put on the armor of God. Even if you understand this armor to be a metaphor, the usage is vitally important in the Christian walk. It is essential. It is essential. Okay, now you need to look at verse 12 because, see, we're not done with this whole armor thing. Look at verse 12. It says, for, for look, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Okay? 
I would suggest to you that you reread Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. Matter of fact, just read all of Ephesians 6 so you get the whole cultural context. You get the context of every scripture. Read the whole chapter of the of Ephesians 6. Matter of fact, read the whole book of Ephesians 6. It's wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. Okay, and let me just tell you something about why did Paul say this, pull down these strongholds? Why did he say that to the First Corinthians church? Well, I mean, why did he say that? Well, he said that he, look, Paul had established a church of Ephesus in A.D. 53. Now, this is 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians as a letter to the church of Ephesus in A.D. 61 while under house arrest in Rome. The point I'm making here is that this letter was written well after the resurrection and atonement of Jesus Christ. We must be on guard, ready to assist our brothers and sisters who fall under attack and to repel the enemy with the armor given to us. So he's telling them, yes, guess what? You need this armor. And not only that, if you know about <clears throat> excuse me, what was going on at the church Ephesus, a lot of false teachers had risen up, and they were bad-mouthing. They were bad-mouthing Paul. You know, they were saying, well, he's only bold when he writes his letters, but he's, like, kind of weak and timid, you know, when he's not around us. And so I believe those individuals were called Judaizers. Might have been some Gnostics in there, too, because we know Gnostics rose up in the First Corinthian church. And I believe they, were, they both did in both the church of Ephesus and uh, in the First Corinth, uh, and in the church of, of Corinth. Matter of fact, the whole Asia Minor region had some false teachers going on. That's why even John, the beloved, wrote about those uh, those Gnostics later. And, and then he, of course, wrote about the Antichrist. So they were bad-mouthing my man Paul, and Paul let them know, hey, guess what? The weapons that I have, they're not carnal. They're spiritual. And I can pull down these strongholds that you guys are building, you know, teaching people false things. And these things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And that's what happens to us today, friends. We have these false attacks, these false things that come against our mind. But once you stay on the word of God and you pray and you praise, because he praise is just as important as prayer. Now, some of y'all didn't get that, but let me say it again. Praise is just as important as prayer. That's why also in Ephesians 6 it says you must pray in the spirit. And you, you give supplication, but you give some praise. Praise the Lord. That's very important. That's a very important tool within the arsenal of spiritual warfare. Okay, very important. Now, let me do this. I'm going to read to you the helmet of salvation. It helps protect your head, but more so it is used to defend against doubt and lies the enemy throws at us. We know who we belong to. I already told you who you belong to. We accept no doubt from the enemy. We accept nothing from the enemy except his defeat because he is already what? Defeated. Now, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I got about 90 seconds left. I'm going to say a prayer to help you overcome these strongholds. Here it is. Lord, I submit myself to you in essence that you forgive me of anything that is unlike you within me, Lord. I come to you with praise in my heart and praise in my lips for you alone are God. I thank you, Lord, for who you are in my life. I thank you, Lord, that I have you as my advocate, my Lord, my Savior, my God. I denounce anything in my life that it would exalt itself against the knowledge of you and that would take me on a path that does not please you. Lord, you have given me authority over all the power of the enemy. As recorded in Luke 10, 18 and 19, I have power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. 
In the name of Jesus, I bind a strong man of fear, and whatever your stronghold is, in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn. Hallelujah. Lord, you are my strength, my rock, my fortune, my liver, in whom I trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Hallelujah. I was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. I will trust in you alone and not another. Thank you, Jesus. Take care, friends. Love you.